Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Jonathan DeBurka Butler uh, is here to bring us stories from other parts of the world. Afternoon, John. Sure, now you get getting on. Uh, right, New Zealand I'm going to go to first. And uh, they're, they're bringing in new speed limits. They are, specifically in Auckland. And I thought this was a relevant story because we're always going on about speed limits here in Ireland, particularly those mm. ones that are down really narrow laneways in the country <laughs> but have 150 <laughs> kilometre per hour speed. So they have similar situations in or similar problems. I think it's a problem myself, particularly when I'm travelling on them um, in and around New Zealand and particularly in Auckland, right? So they've taken the bull by the horns and I believe this is the third phase of a campaign that's been going on since about 2018, right? Where they're going to introduce new speed limits to no fewer than 1,600 roads in and around Auckland, right? So most of them are going to be around either schools, town centres or what they're calling high-risk rural roads, right? And... They need to do this. Uh, I had a look further on from this particular story to have, you know, to have a look at their statistics around crashes and road deaths. And it's quite alarming. They're more than double our statistics here. Right. So if if you actually look at them in New Zealand, they had 320 road deaths in 2021. And if you compare that with us, uh, we had something like 136 there, thereabouts. Okay, maybe maybe 100. I think it's 146, actually, but in and around that. And I even went back to 2018 because I'm conscious of the fact that, okay, well, we had COVID and, you know, New Zealand didn't really. But even then, our road deaths are, again, similar and theirs are are, are around that as well. They're in the 300s back in 2018. So they say from studying it that in over 70% of cases, uh, speed is the major factor in New Zealand, right? So they've decided to do this in Auckland to drastically re- reduce the speed. And what I'm saying is in those town centres and around schools, they're reducing the speeds from 60 kilometres per hour to 30 kilometres per hour. Probably needed to be done a little bit anyway, yeah, 60 yeah. kilometres an hour in, in residential areas. And then on those country roads, they're coming down from 100 kilometres per hour to about 60, to 60 kilometres per hour. So it, 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 tackling it head on, to get rid of the, quite this sick. particular uh, scourge. And, yeah. and the, and the kind of, I'd say, I don't know what roads are like around, uh, you know, country roads, what does that mean? It, 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 would it be like a kind of little I, bumpy I, I, road I'm in Ireland? So, I mean, thing. my brother lives down there and, and he's lived there for a very long time. I'm guessing so, to be honest mm. with you, that they're, that, that they're quite similar. Uh, you, we, we'd like to probably think that everywhere else outside of Ireland, particularly when it comes to roads, are better. Yeah. But I imagine <laughs> New Zealand has its problems as well. And judging by those stats, uh, you know, they're... they're, 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 they're not particularly good. And they ran this, uh, they kind of ran tests on this. As I said, this is the third phase of it. And statistically, they found that since doing this, that roads were changed in June of 2020. Deaths were reduced by 30% in the following 24-month 24, 24 period. And there was an almost 50% reduction on the rural roads um, in that time as well. So evidently it works. That's, uh, that's quite extraordinary. Is it getting? Is, is it generally supported? Is yeah, it your impression. I, I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I had a, a, a re- I wouldn't say a deep dive, but a relatively deep dive into it, and I haven't seen any objections to it as, yes. as such. And and the campaign has been well, uh, well controlled, well managed. Mm. They're basically putting out the message that this is, you know, particularly around schools. It's to make sure that people can go to school safely and can scoot their cycle, their walk, there. So all part of a green campaign and that kind of thing as yeah. well. So right, Burkina Faso. We're mm. going to go to next. There's a coup underway there. This started 
on Friday when I was looking for stories I looking mm. start looking around Thursday or Friday and this started on Friday so I said I better keep an eye on this considering this is a country that I go to quite a bit because it's a fascinating place and uh, the reports on Friday we weren't sure and now checking later on on Sunday and, and yesterday the coup has been completed so not only oh, was there wow. a coup underway okay. it is now over and this is a coup leader who has been ousted by another coup there was a coup in Burkina Faso nine months ago okay um, the president for the last nine months has been a man by the name of Paul Demiba. He got rid of the democratically elected government there because of the Islamic insurgencies that are taking place across the country, right? So yes. right across the region, as you know, because we covered a lot. You did indeed, yeah. Uh, there has been an awful lot of problems uh, here and it's really getting into Burkina Faso now to the point where they, the government there only control about 60% of the territory, okay? So that is very significant. And in those nine months that Paul Demiba was in power, it was felt that he wasn't doing a good enough job. So while he was away at the United Nations, giving a speech to the United Nations or giving his address to the United Nations, people back home were hatching against him. And obviously this plot was put together when he got back home. Uh, it, it was practically done and dusted. Now, it seems to have been something of a bloodless coup, okay? Demiba is already in Togo. He was arrested when he returned. There was negotiations, and part of that negotiation was that he was given safe passage into Togo with himself and his family, right? Okay. He gave a speech on television. He gave the new president, Ibrahim Traore, uh, his blessing uh, and said he hoped and wished him the best in dealing with this insurgency. Yeah. Very interesting from a <laughs> geopolitical point of view. But, but the new president used to be the old president. The new president, no, it wasn't the old president. No, oh, no, no, right, no. Okay. So there was a Democrat, nine months ago, there was a democratically elected president. He was yeah. ousted by Paul Demiba. And now Demiba uh, has been replaced by this young fellow, Ibrahim Traore, uh, who's a lieutenant colonel, I think. He right. looks like he's only in his late 30s, early 40s. Oh, okay, so this is military has ousted military. In, in military has ousted military. And the the defining lines or the, the, the way that you can differentiate between them is is interesting in that... Demiba was aligned more with uh, French allies, whereas it looks like Traore might be looking elsewhere. And when you consider what's going on next door in Mali, as in Russian mercenaries, there is a thought that maybe he's looking at drafting some Russian mercenaries in to the country to look after their problem. Yeah. And the thing, like, is this correct that the coup nine months ago, it wasn't as if everybody in Burkina Faso was horrified by this. There was, it seemed to be a general public frustration with the fact that they were losing so much control of the country. Yeah, completely. Yeah. So it was popular, that particular coup. And Mm. obviously this has become popular as well. This is a popular coup as well. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so is there any, have they like given up on elections altogether now or or has he said anything about it? Yeah. So, so part of the, so Demiba, this is the, the first coup leader. When he was in power, he said that he would transition the country back to democracy within two years. That's what he said. Mm. A lot of them say that. Mm. Um, part of the deal that they had, along with the safe passage, was that Traore would promise, at least publicly, to do the same. Now, the only thing about this is that the international community, as in France, who are not particularly popular in that neck of the woods at the moment, and ECOWAS, who we've mentioned before, are Mm. quite a powerful union and getting more powerful over time with with various different pressures that they can apply to these countries. Um are monitoring the situation and and they will come to put pressure on them if they see that democracy, if there isn't a return to democracy within that time frame. But 
Look, it remains to be seen. Yeah, okay. Right, Denmark, uh, we're going to go to uh, next, where uh, this is an unusual story, and and uh, it'd be interesting to see if it would be copied elsewhere, but but mm. the Queen, and there is a Queen in, in, in Denmark, yes. has stripped, is it her grandchildren she yes. stripped titles from? She's stripped her, uh, stripped her grandchildren of uh, of their titles, so they're, they're no longer going to be called princes and princesses anymore. They will, however, be called counts and countesses. So they're going to get some sort of a bow okay. when they're, you know, when they're when they're walking into their job or whatever. So this is Queen Margarita, who is Europe's only reigning queen now, mm-hmm. uh, and she's the longest reigning monarch, I believe, uh, in the country. So she's been around for a while. Um, she has eight grandchildren in total, right? So she had two sons, right, who are Prince Joachim and uh, Prince Frederick. Prince Frederick is going to be the king when uh, Princess or when Queen Margarita passes away. So okay. his four kids haven't been touched. All right. In the sense that they are going to be allowed to keep the titles. The four grandchildren belonging to Joachim, who's younger, 53. Let's say he's the Prince Andrew of, of the equation. All right. Although I hope I haven't. No, that's not a, the there. best comparison. Sorry. But, you know, I'm not just saying. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's just younger in that yeah, context. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so he's he's been told that his four kids aren't going to be, have that title anymore. Now, mm. people aren't happy. Uh, most notably his ex-wife and his current wife uh, who said Oh, that maybe the, he is a bit like that. <laughs> <laughs> who have basically pointed out that these children have, have now been excluded uh, from, you know, their part their the part that they were entitled to have in the family. Mm. Uh, the Queen has rode back somewhat in that she has said uh, she's very sorry for causing any pain and suffering but she's not changing her decision and she's sticking to this uh, to this particular plan. Now, and if they're not princes and princesses anymore does that mean that you know that there's no official duties uh, for them anymore, and, and also like not you know they will get a few bob every year from the state. Yeah, I think the whole point of what her decision was. I'll read part of the statement if I can. It's yeah. the usual mumbo jumbo, but you might be able to read between the lines. So that the Queen, this is according to the to the palace, wants to create a framework for the four grandchildren to be able to shape their own existence without being limited by the special considerations and obligations that a former affiliation with the royal house as an institution implies. In other words, she wants them to go and get a job. Um, Okay, don't be a deadbeat like your father. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose so. (laughs) Staring through the wives uh, at a rate of knots. Right, okay, that's interesting. Um, Because it almost kind of, you could say, here's a monarch who's shrinking the royal family. uh, Given, uh, you'd wonder, was there... Had this been talked about much in Denmark before? Had there been pressure brought to bear on her to consider all these things? That I don't know. I mean, the, the, the palace, again, in their statement, they came out and they, they, they said that it, it follows similar moves by other royal families in Europe. Now, of course, when I looked, when I went to look for other royal families in Europe that did that, I couldn't find them. Then, yeah. No, <laughs> but, well, uh, I mean, well, I mean the, the, obviously the royal family in Britain was reduced. That wasn't yes. voluntary on the, yeah. on the part of Elizabeth. Yeah. But maybe that those two things are related, the, a sense that maybe they won't be as popular as well, it's, royal it, families in general won't be as popular. It, it's interesting not to flog now the story because yeah. I know we're running out of time, but when you look this up on Google, immediately what appears on the first two pages is Princess Mar- or Queen Margarita has done this is Charles going to follow suit? Yeah. So, interesting. You know, yeah. Very so they're informing each other, perhaps. Uh, right. Uh, Kurdistan, we're going to go to next. And uh, the education minister uh, is on bribery charges. Yes. This hmm. is a, a very quick story. This is the Kyrgyz education minister, a man by the name of uh, Almaz Beyshanaliev. And um, Beyshanaliev was detained on charges of taking bribes in connection with student admissions 
to uh, the nation's universities, right? So apparently mm. he took $110,000 uh, off various different people. We don't have the details yet. The authorities haven't released much detail of this, just saying that he's charged. Um, but for arranging students' acceptance to universities in Kyrgyzstan. Now, apparently this guy who's been in the post since November of 2020 is a bit of a reformer. Mm. Again, I, I have to admit, I couldn't find much about the reforms that he had carried out except on his LinkedIn page, uh, <laughs> which was a lot of ribbon cutting and him turning up at various different you know, international assemblies showing mm. how great he was. But um, yeah, he's, he's... Look, he wouldn't be the first politician in Kyrgyzstan to be brought up on yes. corruption charges. It is one of the most... Uh, corrupt countries on the planet, certainly within the top top fifty uh, of that corruption index, which does exist. Um, so it always has had its problems. Yeah, you'd wonder though. Would a minister? Well, I suppose a minister would. I suppose it, things work differently in Kyrgyzstan, perhaps that a minister would be saying, "Except the student." Yeah, well, look, I, I'm sure it, it, the only other thing that you might be able to infer from it, and again, it's pure speculation on my part, my part, is that he was the ambassador to Switzerland for a couple of months between 2020 and 2021. So I don't know if you know there might have been a few rich people giving him handouts to get their kids. Out of Switzerland. I don't know. No disrespect to Kyrgyzstan, but you know. I don't know. You never know. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, right. Uh, Morocco will go to next. And uh, gosh, 19 people dead from alcohol consumption in a country where alcohol isn't widely available. You would think yeah. it isn't. It's, it's, so uh, Morocco is kind of funny. It is illegal for Muslims to purchase and consume alcohol there. Um, I've been to Morocco and I have drunk alcohol with Muslims in Morocco. Yeah. Um, well, it, I mean, there is. Easy. I mean, there is and loads there of tourist bars. hotels yeah, yeah, and bars that are legal. Yeah, there's there's yeah. off licenses in the strangest places in Morocco yeah. that you can get beer up until nine or ten, ten o'clock at night, um, and it's absolutely no problem. But strictly speaking, yes, Muslims are not supposed to drink there. Yeah. And so the fact that 19 people have died from alcohol poisoning. Um, is quite horrific. It's not the first time it's happened. Uh, but in this particular instance, it, it happened at a roadside kiosk in northern Morocco. Um, 19 people altogether have died. There are 30 more in a hospital, by the way, two in intensive care. So there could well be more victims from this particular incident. Um, a 48-year-old suspect has been arrested. And when they looked inside his premises, they found 50 litres of the presumably the hooch that, that was oh, consumed. Right. Okay. Um so yeah, so a very sad story and uh, as I said, something that has happened before in Morocco. Yeah. My word, yeah. Right, Equatorial Guinea has uh, abolished the death penalty. They have, yeah. We'll end on, on a bright note. Uh, mm. This is President uh, Teodoro Obiang, who has been around for 43 years. Um, if you take all the monarchs out of the equation, he is the longest <laughs> running person yes, in he power. Has. Yeah, he's been there for a very long time. He's 80 now, and he has decided to abolish the death penalty. Now, the last time an execution an official execution was carried out was back in 2014. Um, but he has now decided that that is the end of that. Now, NGOs, uh, various people within the United Nations and Amnesty are a little bit sceptical about this. Mm. Um, they are saying, OK, well, it's great that on paper you will no longer, longer be on the list of countries that officially executes people, but... There's never been anything to stop him taking out a gun and just shooting people randomly. Uh, and, uh, but this uh, uh, Obiang like makes the education minister of Kyrgyzstan oh, looks like a saint. He's uh, ferocious. This is, yeah, yeah. yeah um, this is this is possibly the most corrupt country on earth. It, it uh, could really. well be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He he's um, he presides over a very wealthy country, lots of oil, and it's his own 
everything is his own. Yeah, it's yeah. his money and, yeah. his, and his family's uh, yeah. money as well. Yes, his son is the vice president. Yeah. The um, so is there any reason why he's done this? Like, I mean, who's he? What gallery is he playing know. to? That, he's oil, and, 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 and you know. I really don't know. I have to be honest with you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good question. Yeah. No. Just maybe just one of his whims. Right. Uh, what should we look out for over the next week or yeah, so? Yeah, actually, next Monday they'll be celebrating in Equatorial Guinea because it's World Day Against the Death Penalty, huh. so they'll double up on that, I'd say. Um, I would also say keep an eye on Austria on Sunday. There's a presidential election there. Uh, could be quite interesting. And this whole thing in Brazil with the runoff coming up on the 30th of October... Is is going to be fascinating? It I think a lot indeed. of people were surprised by the results on Sunday. It was, it was strange. Yeah. Well, B- Bolsonaro did better than the polling Very suggested, so. but I think yeah. he did better than the polling suggested when he got elected. So yeah, yeah. Um, uh, maybe something wrong with the polling. But I, I'm told there were huge queues outside uh, uh, the Brazilian MC here. People, yes. are, or wherever they Brazilians would vote here, but uh, apparently were there were something like three thousand, I believe, yeah. who turned up in total. Yeah. Some of the photos were really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a million as Thanks ever, sure. uh, Jonathan. Jonathan uh, de Barca Butler there now. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.